Welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor, where life, sports, and medicine intersect. I'm your host, Dr. Derek Burgess. And I always talk about, like, my thing is, like, what do you do when the Lord chooses to move to the passenger seat in your life? Like, what do you do when he says, well, wherever you go, I'm going to go with you. So what you want to do? You know, like, if you, you got to have an answer for that question. All right. Tonight we have on the show uh, Dr. James Johnson Hill, affectionately known as Pastor James. Uh, he is the lead pastor of Agape Church in Laurel, Mississippi. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dr. Burgess. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Glad to have you here. So you're a very busy man. You're lead pastor. You are a podcaster as well. You know, a businessman, a counselor, a parent. You know, a father of four, ranging from what's the range of your kids from college freshmen oh, to. Oh, <laughs> you know, just out me, yeah. From, from a college freshman to a, uh, a, a very, very active seven year old. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's been good. Everybody yeah. needs that in their life. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> and a devoted husband. So, you got a lot to juggle. So, I'm really glad to have you here. And, you know, this means a lot to me. So, I'll talk about the way we initially met. So when I came yeah, to Laurel yeah. and it was 2014, you know, I was interviewing for a job and they had this little social for me. So it was a get together at one of the, I believe it's at one of the doctor's house. So we, I get there and, you know, I'm going around, I'm shaking hands, I'm meeting everybody. Hey, I'm Dr. Such and Such. I do pediatrics. Hey, I'm Dr. Such and Such. And I meet Dr. Hill. So, hey, Dr. Hill, uh, what are you, a pediatrician? What, what, Hill? no, no. <laughs> So you orthopedics? No, no. I'm a pastor. I was like, pastor, hmm, what are you doing here? Then I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. We have a, we have one of the prominent uh, social figures here to introduce me to Laurel. So, but yeah, so that was a, the initial doctor meeting and it's, you yeah. know, it's been good ever since then. So, uh, you know, actually you are the first person Maybe even outside of Maisha, I'm not even sure I talked to her yet about the fact that I wanted to do a podcast. And we were at that oh. men's retreat in 2019, and yeah. I, you were just about to launch your podcast at that point. And I talked about the fact that you know it had been on my mind, on my heart to do a podcast. And you know, you sent me that invite or the information last year, which was kind of like a catalyst for me to enter mm -hmm. into that uh, greatest podcast in America, I believe was the name yeah, of it. Uh, yeah, the competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that kind of sparked me and said, hey, you might be on to something. And boom, here I am now. So thank you for being that catalyst. Hey, man, you're doing a great job. I I, I mean, it is really good. It took off, man. I'm, I'm jealous. I'm all this things I'm learning. I'm all, yeah, <laughs> I can pick up that. Yeah, I'm writing yeah. down apps and things. So I'm like, oh, man, he's got, he's got it together. Well, one way that I learned so quickly is I took a course. So I took, okay. um, it was 10 weeks to podcasting with okay. nice. uh, Dr. Nee Darko. So shout okay. out to Dr. Nee Darko. He was one of the yeah. first physicians in the podcasting game, uh, 2016. So he's now five years in and I took his sure. course and it was really, it got me, you know, step by step by step to where in about two months I was ready to launch. So even though I didn't so know cool. everything. You know, I yeah. had the algorithms in place. So uh, thank you, Dr. Darko, once again. So yeah, uh, as far as tonight, let's get started with talking about kind of your family and, you know, how do you end up as a pastor? That's only one hat that you wear. You wear many hats, but just kind of talk about your family a little bit. Sure. So, so like I said, I'm married, been married 21 years now to my wife, niece, and like I said, four children. I guess when we were talking about family and 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 how you get to ministry, those things, it's pretty 
um, you know, had a roundabout way of getting there. You know, um, I always say like my story is not perfect. I'm grateful for that. I think an example that God does not use perfect people. Um, but I definitely was very fortunate. I very, uh, my mom, my dad, very passionate. Um, you know, I had aunts and uncles, my aunt Lily, my uncle Reggie that were like, you know, really sold into me uh, spiritually. Uh, I think if, if someone said, like, I think my whole life I've known there was, I've always felt a call of God on my life to serve people in some capacity. Didn't really know what, um, always obviously my faith is been huge for me, is huge for me. And so I felt leading toward ministry, but not really sure what that looked like. And definitely does not look like what it looked like growing up. You know, I was in a missionary Baptist church. And so, of course, you know, like style. So I was like, well, I can wear some nice robes. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like you know, I mean, it's kind of the whole thing, you know, uh, I still remember even seeing, I, uh, now I'm going to date myself a little bit, uh, and, and Dr. Burge like, like, he doesn't know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> I, I just seen a, a movie called The Blues Brothers, and I don't even remember James Brown was a preacher, and he had this, I still remember that kind of pinkish red robe, I was like, <laughs> I got to get me one of those, you right, know, that's right, something yeah. as a kid, you know, <laughs> um, even my church in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, our pastor's name was Ariel Reynolds, and he kind of looked like that, but Reverend Reynolds, the big thing was that he had he had he had rose every color. So I kind of ministry the way I got growing up was different. Uh, obviously, then met my pastor Mike Sparrow, who uh, who who really had a huge impact in my life. I was before him was Dennis Ford, but Pastor Mike really had a huge impact, and that's really where um, you know really starting to break down that you know pastoring was not just about speaking on a Sunday morning. That was probably one of the smallest things that we do. He said passion was about serving people. And it just changed the perspective uh, about what um, what it meant to Pastor Day. They meant to care for, like you you took care of people, you cared for them, and it wasn't about them caring for you. And so it's why, you know, even the culture. I'm 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 I'm, I'm proud of the culture we have at Agape. Is that it's not about serving James. We don't we don't have pastors anniversaries. We we have church anniversaries. We celebrate us as a team. We celebrate us as a church and. Um, you know, any success we have is because of an us factor, not a James factor or me factor. Um, you know, it's always say like, I don't ask anybody, no one's carrying my Bible in, no one's dabbing my head with sweat or anything. Hey, I, I'm, I carry my own Bible. We're good. I, I, I'm not looking to be a celebrity. Uh, we are in this together. And um, so with that, you know, it's kind of where uh, ministry happened, really got a, a chance to really serve at Agape Church in San Luis Obispo, California. Really, it's probably where my ministry career really started. I was a a part-time youth pastor and and then eventually uh, became uh, came on staff full-time and was a worship leader for 13 years, associate pastor for 13 years. And then in uh, 2009, I really felt the Lord calling us here to Laurel. And uh, uh, we moved here in 2010 and we've been here 11 years. It's been the hardest and um, still the best uh, experience of my life and feel like my life mean something. It's been great to build it with my wife and uh, learning to do that together. But I feel like God's called us to a great place to serve and, and um, believing, you know, that our gifts are making room for us. And so it's a privilege to, to be here, met some great friends, obviously, yeah. and uh, um, it's been a blessing. It's been a real blessing. So so you mentioned St. Louis, so big city, yeah. and then you mentioned California, yeah. you know, nice yeah. weather and ocean. So, <laughs> right, we're living in California, and one day you wake up and say, mm, Mississippi is the place to be. <laughs> so, yeah, that's you know, exactly how, I am, yeah. 
Yeah, how does that come so about? My, now you already yeah, have some some family here in Mississippi as well, my too, right? My whole family is from Mississippi. My whole family's from Mississippi. On both sides, my family, my mom and my dad's family. My dad's side is from here in Jones yeah. County, Ellisville area, Heidelberg area. Uh, that that's the Smith family, and uh, and so during the summers we would drive down from St. Louis to come to Ellisville to the family's property there. We own uh, my grandparents bought. 10 acres out there and the family house that they built is there, you know, and uh, it's definitely not in the same shape it was in, but definitely still right there that they built. So, um, and now I see how hot it is during the summer. I was thinking, man, you know, as a kid, you don't get, you don't realize right. all that. So, but we came down every summer. Um, my parents unfortunately went through a divorce in 1984 and I didn't see my grandmother for four years, um, about three years, I guess, after that. And so, um, you know, we were so close. My grandmother and I were so close that as a child, I couldn't tell her and my mother apart. So I just called them both mama. Like I always, I, I called them. So, and it was, that, and I still, to this day, until they both went on to be the Lord, that's just uh, my relationship with them. And so uh, after that time, I started uh, coming out of my parents' divorce. When I turned 18, I started coming out to see my grandmother. Um, and, you know, I, and then I also got married uh, at 28. So, 10 years of my life. And then really, um, 2008, um, I believe 2008, 2009 was really started out with 2008. Um, my stepdad, uh, Jeffrey Hill died. And that's where my, my hyphenate last name comes from is honoring him. And, um, Jeffrey died and it was really closest death in my family that we had had. Um, I was caring for my mom and Really felt like I was in transition, didn't really know what. I really did not want to plan a church. It really wasn't what I was thinking about. It. I thought really I was going to be an associate pastor at a larger church. It's really what I, I'd even been applying for jobs and really felt like some sort of transition was going on, but didn't really know. And we came in 2009 to visit my grandmother. Usually I would preach at the church that my, grand, my great-grandparents helped build out in the Jenkins settlement in Jones County, which is a, a Oak Grove Baptist Church. And Usually I would speak there when I come in town, but I, I just told her, I said, please don't tell me about coming to town from church. I said, I, I just didn't really have the energy to prep. I just kind of was still in a kind of a difficult place there and um, really, really still kind of dealing with uh, with Jeffrey's passing. And so realistically, so uh, I came here and, and, and uh, I was watching television and they put churches on on TV. Mm-hmm. here which on the main channels like on not only channel like 851 but like on, on nbc right. and so anyway so i was watching two services and uh there was one congregation that was predominantly white and very few blacks in the audience the next service came on it was predominantly black and very few whites and in, in the audience and I, i'm not watching to be critical i really i, I watched to really learn something i'm always looking to learn something but after they were over i just saw the lord spoke to my heart just say what does heaven look like mm. And with my stepdad recently passing, there was a part of me that was like, I don't know, but I'm not trying to go like right, right. now. You yeah. know, I was gonna, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like, still good. You know, yeah. I'm still good. You know, yeah. I got some things to do. But that's really kind of where this 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 story started. So my wife and I were we we been here and we were driving back. We always took like three days to drive back. We we don't want to like stressing the kids. We don't be stressed. We're driving. So we're in Arizona. My wife's just talking to me about like how am I feeling? She's like, Are you happy? Well, I'm, I'm working for a church. Like, how do I say I'm not happy? You know, I'm serving the mm-hmm. Lord. So I'm like, I'm happy. I said, she said, well, I think the Lord's calling us to build something together. And I'm listening. I'm driving. And she said, and I really think the place that he's calling us to do it is Laurel. And I'm telling you, I almost probably wrecked that car <laughs> because 
My wife is born in Morro Bay, California. Her house, literally, she has a two big old picture windows that overlook the ocean. My wife is a fish. Like, yeah. like you know, she is yeah. she is a water baby. And so for her to like feel like there's a witness to leave that to come here, feel like the Lord's calling us to do a work here. Um, that really started to, like that was I, that was a sign for me. And so even then, I really didn't like like oh yeah, go to Laurel. I I, I really did start praying about it, and and really like I, I describe it as like um, I was waiting for this like word to come like go ye, mm-hmm. and yet what the word I, when I finally got confidence, it really felt like what the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, "If you, James, if it, if you stay, I'm gonna bless you. If you go, I'm gonna bless you." And I always talk about like my thing is like, what do you do when the Lord chooses? to move to the passenger seat in your life. Like, what do you do when he says, well, wherever you go, I'm gonna go with you. So what you wanna do? Right. You know, like if you, you you gotta have an answer for that question. You know, like what, what do you, when the Lord says, hey, whatever you do, I'm a blessing. What do you wanna do? You you gotta have a plan. And so we thought I was 38. I thought if there's any shot at us doing this, we thought we, our kids were at age where they could adjust, where we had one shot to do it, we were going to, and so we did. Yeah. And that's really where it came from was, was the, and that started an un, unbelievable journey that's still going right now. Right, so now you travel and you might say, hey, I'm in Laurel, Mississippi, and people say, oh yeah, yeah. HGTV, hometown. Oh yeah, my goodness, that's great. Yeah, every time, every time. Yeah, but in 2010, 20, uh, 2009, I'm sure when you said Laurel, Mississippi, no one was saying, oh yeah, that's the spot to be, right? <laughs> nobody yeah. nobody saying that you right. know and we we moved to the downtown area it was pretty blighted uh the building that we that we worship in now windows were cracked out of it um it was right in the center of downtown and it looked horrible uh, i remember walking in it though when i walked into it i fell in love with that building and i could see what it could be and we were really looking for a project to help the community um, we we weren't really looking for a church permanent church home facility. We wanted to do something that could help, and and this project gave us the ability to do them both. And you know, there were many days like we spent just walking around downtown to the empty buildings, and it was blighted, and it, it looked like it didn't have any life. I mean, at five o'clock, it was a ghost town. Like people would say, like downtown wasn't safe, and it was the biggest myth there was downtown. Don't, like I was a joke. I tell people it's like downtown was 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 safe. The dangerous part was if you fell, it may be two <laughs> or three days for anybody found you. You know, yeah, but it wasn't yeah. because somebody's gonna mug you or something. And so, um, but really, like you know, we we would pray. We would we walk around. We started praying, asking God, fill the buildings, do an amazing thing. I mean, what it has become now? Did we see that? No way. I had no idea that that like the Lord would use something like a national show and bring it right here to Laurel, Mississippi to continue what, what started, but we definitely knew God was going to do something. We always felt like there was something special. Like we were coming back to be a part of something that was going to be historical in its making. And I really still don't believe it's done yet. I still believe the show is part of um, God's plan to bring a national spotlight to Laurel to do something amazing that a nation will see and never think could happen uh in the south yeah so you mentioned you came here and you visited you watched yeah two yeah, church yeah. services on tv one was black one was white yeah now, let's speak about your congregation what does it look like yeah. <laughs> so 
Agape is a multi-ethnic church. Um, it was at probably one time when we started, we were probably 70, 30 white. Um, we probably are closer now to like the 60, 40. Um, uh, that ratio has, has, has changed. And so, um, and, and honestly, like I, I, I feel like I've always been a bridge builder. Like that's been something that God gifted me and the ability to do, to communicate across cultural lines. Um, I'm grateful for that. Like someone said, well, how do you even do it? I, I probably couldn't even tell them like a step-by-step thing. And even if I did, I, I do think there's a, a gift mixed in you, a heart that's in you. I really think like what's in you comes out and right. I think it produces out. And so, um, that like, like unity, multicultural unity, multi-generational, like that's just in me. That's, that's, that's part of who I am. And so, um, the church came that way. Our launch team was that way. And so um, when you think of Laurel now, I guess the thing I never noticed was somebody, you know, finally someone's like, James, you're a black man in, in Laurel, Mississippi, and your <laughs> your congregation majority white. And I right. and I just thought, is that a thing? Like, is that is that a big deal? But I, you know, not realizing, hey, maybe that's that's that God factor that that somebody goes, hey, something is different. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying we are better. Right. than any other church i'm not saying that every church needs to look like ours I, what i think is like but we're we're this, this is what god's called us to be and that's the part i do need to make sure of is that we're being what he called us to be in the lane that he's called us to serve in in this community so and beyond so so like you mentioned you've always kind of been a bridge builder so if you've been preparing all your life for this position then i'd imagine 2020 was your final exam right <laughs> <laughs> i don't think 2020 is anybody's final exam right, sure, right, but yeah. i'll tell you definitely difficult for sure but you know there's certain things that didn't change you know right. one jesus never changed and sure. his uh, his his promise to be with us and never leave us or forsake us, that that never changed his provision for us never changed you know script there's a scripture that says without preaching but the scripture is right. like, like hey hey many of the afflictions of the righteous but the lord delivers them out of all like and so um yeah it was it, it's definitely tough it's tough as a leader as any leader i i, I just have a lot of compassion uh for that but um, you know, it's been difficult, probably more so has just been how um, sort of calloused we've become toward one another. Sure. And um, and now, so here, I guess the final thing comes in, here's a church that's multi-ethnic, and now we've got every single thing that seems to divide us along racial lines. So mm-hmm. the elections, the politics, the vaccinations, uh, you mask, mask right. e- everything like came like to the core of who we we really were mm-hmm. um because it is it's a little easier when you have maybe a homogeneous environment but right. we aren't we're diverse like we're diverse and you know we and who we voted for and who we supported and our opinions like it it definitely is and so what was difficult to see is in our country like diversity being weaponized almost against us and so what do you do in those cases where well, you bring people back to the core, like back to the gospel, back to the unifying power of Jesus? And that's that's really that was work. You know, it's painful, painful having some people leave. It was painful and not really knowing why it right. was painful um, having people leave and, and knowing why sometimes. Yeah. So how would oh. you say that you've grown as a leader, as a pastor, you know, just as a man, as a as an effect of the pandemic or due to the pandemic, how would you say that you've grown uh, or how your church has grown? Sure, sure, sure. I think, well, one, you know, it strips you of all your comfort and you got to get to the core. Like, Lord, do I believe you or don't I? 
Yeah. But I did say, like, for me, I'm, I'm not real good. I, my friends that know me know they say, you, know, you don't you don't take a loss really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, especially I'm, when I'm it's fantasy good... football. right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I won my championship. Yeah. Yeah. You were the first one. Yes. I, yes, I, I, it yes. took me a little time, but <laughs> I, um, I, I don't I'm not a good loser. And so, you know, even when all this was happening, kind of things were shutting down and it's like we're kind of like hunkering down because we really didn't. Don't know time. I mean, we're still in the middle of it. It's still, and sorry, still going through it right. in the middle of it. I'm praying, yeah. but right. um, but you know, I went to our board and I talked to them and I said, "Look, I said I know where things are headed." I said, "But here's what I want everybody to know." I said, "In the middle of all of this, there is going to be a God opportunity, and I fully expect the support of the board to take advantage of that God opportunity. We're going to position ourselves." to be ready for a God opportunity. I don't know what it is, but we are going to take it. And I said, we are not going to retreat. We are going to advance. I don't know how, but mm-hmm. we are not going to scale backwards. And so uh, as a leader, I think the big part is like, if you're really talking that you got to really believe it and you got to live it, you know? And so you can't really, um, you can't be one of those ones that's like in the middle of it. Like, well, I didn't sign up for this, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. I mean, um, it's difficult not uh, speaking to people and the energy and all that, but it's not about you. It's about them. And so um, I learned that excellence has to be a standard and that you, you, it, you know, no matter what you're facing, that has to stay the standard because not because of about you, but you feel like it's a right reflection of who Christ is in your life. And so when we went online, like we delayed even, streaming which we should have been doing earlier mm-hmm. um but we didn't because of course I, I i i bought into a lot of limitations like i didn't have outside eyes on what we were doing and so i feel like it cost us a little bit it cost me it cost our church in, in leadership wise it's something i probably still deal with a little bit right now feeling like i should like there's things we should have done that we accepted as limits and we didn't test them so I've learned that. I learned like keep outside eyes on your organization or even on your own life because something that you 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 accept the fact that that wall's there and someone else will come in and say, you know, we just tear that thing down and we'll be just fine. You know, right. and so um so that center of excellence came to um when we went to stream, we knew this. We knew we couldn't have bad quality video, we couldn't have bad quality audio because people weren't gonna be tolerant all of a sudden. They could attend any church they wanted right. to yeah, worldwide. World. Yeah. And so you had to make sure you were, and you're not, you hate these word competitive. It seems like a word people don't want to use when it comes to church like that. We don't compete. Well, yeah, we do. And that's just reality. We were competing with every streaming program, every mm-hmm. streaming church. And, and you wanted to at least serve your people well because that's what they were used to. And again, you preached. Excellence, like the things we do for God, we do with excellence. So we delayed even having this stream because we had to get equipment in that helped us get the quality of what it is. And so you still learn, even in the most difficult times, you can't do everything, but the things that you can do, you have to do them well. The standard doesn't change just because you're in a challenge. You gotta be more creative. You gotta pull some more people in. A lot of resources that we didn't know were right here inside of our own house. Second, so that's one of the third thing I learned is that sometimes what you, what you need like in tough times is probably right there and it forces it to come out of you. It right. forces it to come out of them. 
Um, and so that's probably another part that, that, that I've learned. Um, uh, I learned, I guess I learned to navigate, you know, um, you have to like know who you are as a leader and be, and every leader is insecure. Like every pastor is insecure. I don't get what they say. You're insecure because it's, it's, you deal with people. But what you did have to learn pretty quickly is like, so like if, if you didn't say something, you were going to lose people. If you right. did say something about something, you're going to lose people. And if you said nothing, you're going to, so the whole part was like, Hey, got to accept the fact people were going to do what they wanted to do. And you, what you had to do is be true to who you were and what you were called to be. And people had to make the decision that they were going to make. And you had to be okay with that and move forward. But so you that couldn't just, be, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that just made there. me think about an affirmation yeah. that we say uh, with the kids is choose to be authentic over being perfect. Uh, because yes. oftentimes we Dude. worry so much about what people are going to think about us that we are paralyzed. Yeah. And even yeah. when we know we're doing things that we, we or we know there's something we should be doing, we don't do it because we're worried about the outcome or what people are going to totally. say. Totally. Yeah, that's that's excellent, Derek. Actually, and, and that's um, it's easier said than when it's being tested. Absolutely. But it is you have to just you got to you got to find center and you got to live there. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about you mentioned being a servant. So let's talk about some of the ways that you serve the community outside of the church walls. Yeah, that, you know, I think that that's really important. We talk about like being, you know, we say in our church, like we don't pastor a church, we pastor a, a city. And so with that being said, it's like that means we have responsibility to use our gifts, talents and abilities. Like we pray like, Lord, use our gifts, talents and abilities and have them make room. And so uh, there's several places where I'm, I'm blessed to serve. Either probably the, the maybe the most forward one is I serve on our our local school board of trustees, and so um, and it's huge because you have immediate impact upon children. You impact, impact children's lives through decisions that you make. Um, they're our most valuable resource. They're most vulnerable, and so um, and in Laurel um, specifically, um, it's a diverse case of situations that you're dealing with, and so. Uh, we are dealing with children that are that are that are used to tragedy. That's a whole other community. That's a whole way of learning how to serve best. We are dealing with children that are dealing with, with poverty. There are a lot of our young people that have adult size problems, situation that they're dealing with that necessarily I didn't grow up with. And so learning how to best serve them and keeping a heart of compassion that understand like just because I didn't experience it or I don't see it that way. Uh, doesn't mean like my way of seeing it is the right way, you know. Um, so it's a constant uh, education. It's constantly learning. Um, so we serve. We serve there. Um, we 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 do several. I mean, that, that's one of the ways that, that I serve. Uh, uh, we serve with our Main Street Association here in the downtown area. We do a uh, a a event every summer for families called Downtown Thursday. It's a farmers market. It's a movie night. We do that for a couple reasons. One. The downtown business, as they were, as more people were investing in downtown, we want to do our part to bring more people into downtown to to be able to shop, and so these businesses could be successful. And I think we were most qualified because we had clean hands in it. We didn't have a business where we were necessarily selling anything. Uh, we wanted to. I think we had a coffee shop at one time. We did have a coffee shop, but you know, at that time, you know, we're trying to like run the church. So we're just trying to do something cool, just be another cool entity in a growing downtown. Uh, we wanted the arts. We needed music. We wanted it was our way of bringing in the things that healthy communities had. And so um, and, and we wanted to do it well. You had to do well. You couldn't do something and lack of better. Term, you couldn't have them do something to be like, oh, that's a church event. Like you mm. had to it had to be 
sharp and put together and marketed well that they were like, no, that's a happening event. That's an amazing event. And so uh, we, we're working with Main Street Associates. We're still doing that now. And and uh, that event has grown to where we would change locations, but it is enormous. And the impact it has on communities when you see literally, you know, a couple thousand people out there watching movies or even farmers, our local area people having access to fresh vegetables and 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 food like that, that's important as well as a wellness component to it. Um, and, you know, so it's it's just been uh, that, that's the way. And, and our our community, our, 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 our local church, it's our way we just serve. Everything's free. You know, like we um, they, the movie's free. Obviously, you, you pay the farmers and those things. But we you know, we really made the event to where it serves and it, we encourage our people to be out there serving. And so um, we're not out there handing out tracks and going, hey, this is agape. We're putting our name on everything. In fact, probably see our name on very little, if anything. Uh, and amazing that people still find you. And so it really was about giving away. And that's probably a couple ways uh, that we serve them. Um, uh, now I'm finding myself serving through my family. You know, uh, uh, my daughter is on the State Board of Education. So she's like learning that part of, of spending her time to, and she is a, a huge advocate for definitely the students of the Laurel School District, but students as a whole, like there's a tenacity in her and 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 she's she's thinking uh leadership wise like how does she have impact she's learning tough lessons right now you know like how do you ask questions in a way that gets them answered in a way that you're really looking for you know right. and uh so she's learning some of those things so you know uh, so supporting her um so, so shout yeah, out to Micah. Is. She's a state champion as a 10th grader <laughs> tennis player. I mean, yeah. she has a resume that will make any college freshman or sophomore probably shaking their boots uh, as a 10th grader right now. Is she yeah. a 11th grader now? She's 11th grade now. Yeah. 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 But she's yeah. college 16. ready. <laughs> yeah. College ready. And she's yeah. in middle college. So she's, she's going to graduate with her diploma and her associate's degree. Um, you know, just, just, just an incredibly hardworking you know, she's mine. I mean, I, I can't. I can't say I'm not not biased, but man, I see her working so hard. Like I, I didn't have that work ethic at sixteen, yeah. and I'm just so yeah, so incredibly proud of her. Yep. Yeah. So you know, we're both healers in a way. So as a physician, um, and as a pastor. So, you know, like you said, we both are servants in a, a different ways. So sure. I have the good fortune of being able to take care of people's musculoskeletal injuries. So uh, someone comes in, they have knee pain, they have shoulder pain. I asked, I get the history, you know, I get an x-ray and I have clues as to what to focus on as far as my treatment. Yeah. So many times sure. before I work, before I walk in the room, I can read the chart. I can look at the x-ray or MRI and I know, okay, we got three or two or three treatment options, you know, yeah, and I'm focused. But as a pastor or as a counselor, when you have someone sitting in front of you, many times they come to you and just don't want to talk, don't want to tell you anything, but want you to heal them or want you to help them. So let's kind of talk about that. How do you approach, you know, people that are hurting? Because one yeah. of your main goals or main passions as a pastor, right, is to be able to help hurting people. Yeah. So yeah. how does that work? Uh, from a pastoral or a counseling standpoint? Sure, sure. I think you have to, I think first thing is that you hit it right on the head is that, and remember, we're here for people. You know, mm -hmm. what was most important to God in a pastoral role, like you think if I'm if I'm a shepherd under God, well, what was important to him to send his son to die for was people. And you can never forget that. That's what's most important to God, not a building, not chairs, none of this stuff, people. And so 
that helps keep that perspective. Um, when people come in, I think they, they do want help. Sometimes they don't really know how. And so the first thing probably that I do is, is really assess that, like, like you do, you put up an x-ray, but in, a, in the beginning conversation, I kind of assess like, what's the best way to help? And what that means for me, um, my, my undergrad, it was in psychology. And, and so for me, like I assess like, can my skill set really help or is this beyond me? That's like the yeah. first thing I probably do. <laughs> sure, because sure. of that, we have developed a relationship with a licensed professional counselor that, um, especially if they're, if they're in the church, like what we'll do is, is, is if I assess right off the bat that this is bigger than my skill set or my area of expertise, then I immediately, I will refer them. And most times what we'll do is we'll, we'll even cover the first couple sessions with this counselor to begin to get them the help that they really need. You know, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm always the best person to help with certain situations. And so I think knowing what, um, what I'm good at or what I'm skilled at and what I'm not is also a way of helping and understanding when I need, we call it punting, like when I need to do that. And, yeah. and uh, the counselor that we use is very, very good, very, very confidential. And so like, even when that happens, I can't, I can't follow up. Um, we, uh, but, but that's the first thing from there. Um, it, it really is like, you know, if it's a, it's a skill set that I can help with, you know, I really do think about what, like, what's the best way. And I think the best way is they have to be invested in wanting to get better. And so you assess their level of really wanting to change or do the work. And, you know, I'm human like anybody else. If someone doesn't really want to do the work to get better, um, my time is the most valuable resource that I have. And so, and that's what I'm giving in, in, in meeting with them. But also it's what I was like being very protective of because I do have family, I do have children. And, and so um, I have to be wise about that. And so that, that's definitely a way uh, of helping uh, as well. You want to look at, you know, you, you're kind of seeing, is this, is this going to help with maybe just connecting with them? Do they need more people in their lives? Do they need accountability? Do they just need motivation? Um, do this need just kind of help someone to help them develop a plan? All those could be things that we're, we'll do to, to kind of help somebody move forward. But the, the gist of it, like the core of it is you have to genuinely care about them. They have to genuinely feel like, you give a rip whether they live or die. Yeah. So one word you mentioned was accountability. So anytime mm -hmm. you're going through anything, you know, to isolate yourself is the wrong answer. Because yeah. once you're isolating yourself, you're in your only person you can hear or only voice you hear is a voice in your mind that's telling you yeah. whatever, reinforcing whatever thought process is probably not serving you well. So being sure. able to be connected to other people, which is one thing that the pandemic with the social distancing you had to yeah. focus on still staying connected. So, you know, that's one thing for sure is being connected, having accountability partners, sure, being sure. able to speak with another man or another woman who understands your plight and that you can yeah. have, be confidential and have a relationship with. You know, I know that's sure. one thing that you really um, enforce at the church with small groups and with connecting in men's groups, women's circles, uh, teenagers, to be able to connect with people on your level. Uh, so yeah. that when you're going through something, you have someone to turn to. Sure, sure. I think that's and it, and, and I think accountability again has to have that 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 base of it has to be love. Like I, I can't feel like you want to. Your whole goal is to nail me to a cross, so to speak. Right. You know, like by accountability, I'd be like, you give a rip, like you care, like you see me, you really want 
you know, you're investing because you want my family to do well. You want me to do well. And so, um, but it is scary. And I, and, you know, I think that's, that's a part that accountability is a scary word. And it's really scary when you start talking about kind of your mental health, like that part gets really scared because like digging deep and being honest in that way. And I, I guess, you know, speaking for me as a man, like that, that is, that is hard work. That is difficult work. Um, and not all, you know, it's not always something you really want, you know, because sometimes like as a man, like the scariest place that you have is in you, mm-hmm. you know, I, mm-hmm. you know, between these ears or, you know, uh, what's this you struggle within your heart? Like those are scary things, you know? And so, um, but yeah, that accountability, it's, it's not like, you know, it, it's, it's even sometimes just the accountability to just fight, uh, the accountability to live. Um, there's been several times where I, you know, I've had situations where, you know, running to men that are really hopeless, you know, that really like are, are in a state where they're like, I'll give a rip, you know, I died today. I wouldn't care. And and in those cases, accountability looks like where I just just boldly say, you know, before you would harm yourself or do anything, would you would you commit to me that you'll call, that you'll call me? And just you know, they almost were like jerk. Like I was like, would you promise me before you do anything, you'll call? And and I don't come off of that. You know, they came like, oh man, you know, I'm not. I, I want. I'm. I need you to tell me before I harm myself or do anything, James. I will call you and and. Even sometimes just even in getting them to say that out loud is just such a breakthrough because they, 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 they're saying somebody cares about me. My life matters. And, and, and I, I've been blessed today that I've, I've never had someone that I've had to have that, that talk with or that conversation with that, that has gone on that's taken their life. And so I'm grateful, grateful, grateful for that. Yeah, that's um, excellent. All right. So on um, timeout with sports doctor, this is your final timeout. So, you know, going through a pandemic, we're a little bit over a year and a half into the pandemic sure. now. Um, and there's a lot of loss, a lot of loss of life, you know, a lot of sickness, a lot of poverty, a lot of people without jobs and a lot of hurting people just in general. Um, yeah. And there's, you know, people who might not be connected to a church, but that feel that they still have a relationship with God. Um, and or may just not have anything or anyone to turn to. So just kind of what would you speak with someone who might be in a dark place, um, someone who might be thinking about hurting themselves or not really have anyone to turn to just kind of, yeah. you know, what would you what would you say to someone? Sure. sure. Well, you know, first thing I would say is your life does matter. And that um, especially when it comes to taking your own life, that that is a very, very permanent action to a temporary, so to a temporary uh, struggle. You know, um, suicide, taking your life is a crime against the living. You, you, you hurt and you leave so many loose ends and, 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 and it, it's, it's, it's devastating to the people that are alive. And the lie that the enemy will tell you is that you're going to see them cry over you. You're going to see them hurt. You're going to see that you're going to get back or they're going to see you. They're going to miss you. You're going to see it. It's a lie from the pit of hell. It is not. You're you're not going to see it. That's exactly the point. Um, I remember reading and I I, I can't remember what show it was, but it was a young man that that was there. He had actually tied a a rock or a boulder to the uh, and he cuffed his hands and tied a boulder to it and he dropped it in the water like to drown himself in his own pool at his house. And he said, the moment that 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 the 
the boulder like he left his hand and it was heading toward the water. And he realized, and he said, the next thought he had is he was like, I made the biggest mistake of my life. I'm gonna mm. die. Like, and praise God, I mean, the, the, the whole story was about how his hand slipped out of the cuffs and he was able to, to free himself and not die. But he talked about that real experience. What I'd say to someone's in a dark place is number one, no matter what you've done or what you're going through, like there's no place that you hurt that Jesus can't heal. And there's nothing that you've done. Like there's, there's no shame that you're having to experience that you deserve. God doesn't change people's lives through shame and you don't have to live under it. Whatever sickness that you have or that you're dealing with, whatever situation that you're dealing with, hey, there's hope for you because you're greatly loved by God. And if you will give him a chance, he's going to bring people around you that love and care for you as well. And I encourage you, like, if you don't have anyone to reach out to, I encourage you, reach out to, if it's not your local suicide hotline, there, there's, there's always help for you. If you live in Laurel and Jones County area, I hope you'd reach out to Agape Church. I hope you, and we have great churches all through Jones County, Mississippi, and so Agape is not the only one. There are several. There's First Baptist uh, here in Laurel, Cross Point, and Connect Church, and uh, there, there's great churches all around. Journey Church and Venture Church. I mean, there, there, there's there's amazing churches all around. First United Methodist, First Presbyterian. You know, you have support around. I encourage you if you would just give someone, give yourself a chance by reaching out. Um, you don't have to live alone or in darkness that there's a real Jesus that really does care about you and wants to to help you. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And for someone who wants to connect with you or connect with the church, how can they follow you on social media or get in touch with the church? Sure, sure. So on Instagram, Facebook, obviously it's a it's it's Agape Church and you kind of will see this logo, kind of the, the A with the cross in it. And so you can find that there on under Agape Church in Lowell, Mississippi. Uh, my Instagram is is public, so it's Dr. JJ Hill. Um, you can follow me there. You know, I, I, I you feel free to do that as well. Um, the church's website is theagape.church. So agape is A-G-A-P-E, theagape.church. You can follow church there, get in contact with us there. It's gotten our email addresses and those things. And uh, again, if you're in the area, come on by and see us. And uh, you're welcome, um, everyone is welcome at Agape Church. So please, um, uh, you don't have to feel like, please don't feel like you have to clean up to come to worship with us or, you know, dress a certain way. We're casual. Um, but also you don't have to have it all together yeah. uh, to come worship with us. You know, um, our, our our church is lovely that we're full of messed up people that Jesus is making a difference. So please come on. You don't feel right in. Um, uh, it's not a church for perfect people. So come on. We, we'd love to, to have you. Well, thank you. Thank you for spending this time with me. Hey, and thank you for being in my life, you know, being an accountability partner for me and, you know, supportive of my family. It's really great to, you know, this is the only church we visited, right? So we moved to Laurel. <laughs> I came, I went one time and then the family came down and we started visiting churches, right? And we went to Agape yeah. and never left. So it's been great for cool. our family, great for the kids, having them grow up in this environment. And, you know, I'm really appreciative of of you as a man and the church that you built. No, I love you. Love your family. Absolutely. So grateful for you. You were a huge encouragement to me coming through as well. And um, just so excited for what God's doing in your family as well. So we're, we're, hey, we're in this together, man. All right. Thank you very much. All right. We'll see you. All right.
Thank you for continuing to support this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a five-star review. And if you haven't done so, subscribe so you continue to get the updated episodes. Until later, peace.